Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Today we are starting a new series, and our new series is going to be in Philippians, well, the book of Philippians we're going to be going over. And of course, we're going to start with Philippians chapter 1. And I am excited for this series because Philippians is one of my favorite books in all of the Bible. In fact, when it comes to the book of Philippians, I, I used to do this every single night. I think probably when I was in high school, junior high and high school, I would do this every single night where before I would go to bed, and this wasn't what I did for my devotions, this was just something that I did before I went to bed, I would read Philippians chapter 1. I would read Philippians chapter 1, and uh, Philippians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 um, are some of my absolute favorite verses in all of the Bible. And so I'm excited to get into that. We're not going to be talking about Philippians 1.21 uh, today, but we will be looking at that here in a few days out. I, I'm not sure exactly how long this series is going to last, but it's probably going to last well over two weeks. And so I'm excited to look into this. There's so much to glean and to get from the book of Philippians, because uh, it's not just Philippians chapter one that's great. Philippians chapter two is is my favorite Christmas passage, as my favorite Christmas passage in Philippians chapter two. So uh, I'll, I'll explain that probably when we get there. And then Philippians uh, chapter three, um, is is really, really good as well. In fact, one of the first sermons that I ever preached was out of Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 4, uh, it has a passage that I probably cite the most in counseling. Whenever I do counseling, uh, I probably cite Philippians chapter 4 some of the most. So it is a book of the Bible that I really, really, really enjoy. I'm not sure that there's a book of the Bible that I don't enjoy, but this is one that I really, really, really do enjoy. And so I hope that you can get a lot out of this, and I'm excited to jump into it. So let's go ahead and let's start reading in Philippians chapter 1. And it says this, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, just as it is right of me for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, for that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God, but I want to thank, or excuse me, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. 
The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now Christ also will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you may stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is a proof of perdition, but for you of salvation, and that from God, for that for you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake and having the same conflict that you saw in me, and now here that is in me. Wow, I really love Philippians chapter 1. There is such great depth to get into here in Philippians chapter 1, but we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 here this morning, 1 through 5, and it says this, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, I really wish that we could spend a lot of time here on verse 1 and just kind of really break this down uh, verse by verse. I really love the greetings that the Apostle Paul goes and sends to the churches in his epistles. I really, really love them. In fact, I'm sure when when Sarah listens to this, she's probably going to laugh a little bit because I'm going to be skipping over uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 1 for most most of this here. But I just want to say there is so much depth to go into look at this that Paul is saying that him and Timothy are bondservants of Jesus Christ. We, we could go and talk for an hour just on what does that mean, that the Apostle Paul and that Timothy are bondservants of Jesus Christ. And then we could go and we could look at, uh, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, to the bishops and the deacons, to go and to look at a properly ordered church. What does that look like in a, in a church? And to see the church order, to see that there are overseers, to see that there are servants, and that these are, are positions that have specific qualifications that need to happen in the church in order for a church to rightly function. Man, I, we could go on and on for weeks about that. But I really want to get to this point this morning, because I, I, I really believe this is what God has for us this morning, it is to go and to see verse 3, where it says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you 
always in every prayer of mine, making a request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel for the first day until now. I want to ask the question here, how is your prayer life? How is your prayer life? You know, it's easy to let your prayer life start slacking. It really is easy to to just have a slacking prayer life because it's so much easier to do something for God than it is to pray. It's so much easier to go out and to do something for God than it is to pray. But the reality of it is, is that in order for us to have true obedience, we must have strong prayer lives. We need to have strong prayer lives. You know, if you want to know what, what the greatest issue I believe in the church today is, and there are all kinds of issues that we could get into. Uh, there, there is there is a lot of compromise in the church today. There's a lack of doctrinal depth. There's all kinds of things that are lacking in the church today, specifically in America. But I believe the greatest of them all is that we don't have a heart for prayer. You might have people who want to do something for God. You might have people who who, who want to, uh, to, to, to go and to do great things, who want to learn all kinds of things. But the question is, is, do we have men and women who can really go and pray, who have the discipline of prayer, but not just the discipline of prayer? Do you have a prayer life that is consistent, but not just consistent, but is vibrant? And do you realize how important your prayer life is? I, I mean, when we go and we look at this, this, battles are won in the prayer room. So many times people think that it's it's won in the study halls. So many times people think that it's won in the pulpits. So many times people go and they think that that the battles are are won uh, through the, the the sharing of the gospel. But I want you to know, the battles are actually won. Now those other things are important. Don't get me wrong. But the battles are actually won in the prayer closet, in your prayer life. That is where we are charged with power from God. That is when we get alone from God and we find his will. That is when we get alone from God and we align our hearts to the right. And so prayer is so important. And do we have men and women today who have hearts for prayer? But, but this is so important to understand because it's not just any prayer that the Apostle Paul talks about. He goes and he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Wow. If you get a good prayer life, the question is, is do you have a good thankful life? Are your prayers filled with thanksgiving or are they always requests? Supplication's good. It's important. We need supplications in our life, but we certainly need to have thanksgiving in our life. And then the question is, is do you thank God for the people that he has put in your life? This is a church that the Apostle Paul has gone and pioneered. He he has planted and started this church. He pioneered this church. And of course, he started it with Lydia and with the Philippian jailer who is there and his family who, who got saved. And he goes and he says, look, now there are other people, we assume at this point in time. Actually, we know that there are other people at this time. And he goes and he says, says I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, do we have that kind of a prayer life where we think of somebody and we thank God for them? We think of somebody in our life that we thank God for, and then specifically, it goes on and he says, um, 
um, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now in verse 5. You, you know, the people that you serve with in the gospel, the people that you've been closest to in ministry, the people that you serve right next to in church, do you thank God for them? It's easy to want to complain about them, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, I know what it's like to go and to serve right next to somebody. And the problem when you serve right next to somebody is that the people that you get closest to, they're the ones that you start to see their faults. They're the ones that you start to see the warts in their life. And you want to go, look, I'm not thankful for this for this person. Lord, can you change them? Can you work on this? They're, they're bugging me. They don't do this right. They don't do that right. Lord, I wish they'd do it this way. But no, the attitude that we are supposed to have and emulate that the Apostle Paul has is that we're supposed to thank God for them. They're serving the king just like you're serving the king. And so you need to be thankful that God has put this person in your life so that you can serve him with them. Isn't that awesome to think about? Isn't that convicting to think about? You need to be thankful. And specifically, you need to be thankful for the people who you serve the Lord right next to. You know, so many church splits and, uh, in, in, you know, friction and relationships broke and so many people uh, have lost friendships because they haven't heeded this verse. I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Now, that just, uh, this doesn't mean that people don't do wrong things. This doesn't mean that there aren't people who, who need to be put under church discipline. This is the, the, the same Apostle Paul who goes and says in 2 Timothy 4 that uh, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. It's the same Paul who goes and says that Hymenius and Alexander, he delivers unto Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. It, it's the same Apostle Paul who walks through the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 as to how to put somebody under church discipline who had some sexual immorality in their life. We understand that. In fact, actually, the Apostle Paul is probably setting this up and giving this example because there's actually conflict in the Philippian church. We see between Syntyche and Iodia uh, in Philippians chapter 3 that these two ladies were, were going, and we're going to get to that in just uh, you know in, in a few days or a few weeks probably, but, but these two ladies, they're, they're, they have conflict. And he goes and he tells a true yoke fellow, he goes and he tells them, look, uh, make sure that they're getting along. But he's giving this example, not just so that the Philippian church can go and understand what they're supposed to do and how they're supposed to view each other, but so that we can view each other properly, so that we can have that example, and we need to be thankful for the people that we get to serve next to. And then it says this in verse 4, and this is important, always in every prayer of mine making request for you all with joy. You know, it's not just that every time that he thinks of the Philippians that he's thankful for them, but then he goes and he says, and I always bring you up in my request. When I get to the supplication in my prayer, I, I, I turn it into interceding for you. I'm praying for you. And it's not one of those things of, oh man, I got to pray for the Philippians. Ugh. It's no, I do it with joy because I love these people and I want to pray for them. You know, think about the people that God has put in your life. 
Think about the people who you serve next to in church. If you're not serving serving next to somebody in church, you need to go talk to your pastor and find a place where you can serve. If you don't have a church, send me a message because I'll, I'll help you find one. Uh, or I'll tell you some great places to move towards so that you can go to a church because you, you ought to fit your location based upon what, what of course, God uh, it, it, where God's people are. Ultimately, you know, churches are are vital to life. They're, they're even, I mean, you can get a job pretty much anywhere. Maybe maybe you got to change your lifestyle, but you can get a job pretty much anywhere. So, so let me tell you today, look, go to where good churches are. But think about those people that God has placed in your life. Number one, are you thankful for them? Some people are difficult to deal with. I get that. I'm one of them. I understand. God has given me a, a spiritual gift of annoyance. I understand these things. But you need to be thankful for these people, even those who have the gift of annoyance. You know, just to, to, to tell you how difficult I can be, I once told the knock-knock, who's there, banana, banana, who joke, for five minutes to myself just to bug Sarah. I, I mean, I understand some people are just difficult. I'm one of them. But you need to be thankful for the difficult ones too. And then you need to be making requests for them. What comes up in their life if they say, will you pray for this in my life? And even looking into their life and just seeing what are these people who are around me, what do they need in their life? When you pray for them, it ought not be a burden to you to pray for them, but it ought to be a joyful thing that you can go before our God and you can pray for them. Well, there's a lot in the book of Philippians that has to do with how you're going to interact with people specifically that God placed in your life. And this is where it starts, right here. Have a good prayer life. Be thankful for those people and make those requests with joy. How's your prayer life today? Are you praying for the people that God put in your life? Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. 